Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond in dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. I'm Carol, um, uh, and I was asked to share a few words of my experience of the central place of the practice of simplicity for my living life as a Quaker. Um, and I managed to miss the essential cue that this was Hunger Sunday. Um, so you'll have to do your <laughs> Quaker work yourself and translate into what you need to do for hunger. Simplicity has for centuries been an identifying trait for us as peculiar people in the view of non-Quakers. Living it daily, we may puzzle our neighbors. We make choices that seem burdensome, even inefficient. For us, why do we have no TV in our house? Why do we ration the time we spend using a computer for personal affairs? Why do we seek simple clothing, not easy to find in a store or on a website, rather than to follow the fashions that change faster than the weather? Many more aspects of our Quaker culture could be added to the list. My childhood family rubbed elbows with scattered Quaker relatives as well as with mainstream neighbors and friends. And my dosage of my Quaker family roots was limited. But in my adult years, I more often spent time with my wider Quaker family and could choose as an adult to adopt what was really a bone deep sense of simplicity and other historic Quaker values. It felt like coming home. The Quaker value of simplicity is not unique in its cultural purpose. Other religious communities have had this value at the core of their daily lives for very similar reasons. Examples are Benedictine monastics and Amish communities in America. You probably can name others in non-Christian, non-Western worldwide groups. Quakers have tended to shape their lives through the practice of simplicity for a core purpose, to keep our attention on community with God, who guides our living moments if we are listening for him. Simplicity is a way of keeping ourselves open to God's guidance in the moments of our daily life, in the way we treat each other and the created world around us, in the way we make choices for the use of our time, work, play, being true to our relationships with other people and with the created universe. To pay attention to this often requires clearing away distracting events, needs, cares that push for our attention. 
the many clamoring duties and happenings that are part of the complexity we all live in. Our human interest in the diversities around us can wash over us like a tidal wave. We can deal with this by working to clear our attention purposely, to return our focus to our primary relationships, including relationship to God. We use our inward awareness to help us keep clear our relationship to God's presence in each moment. This inner work is ours to do, moment by moment. It is the work of love. This work includes the daily choice of simplicity as a practice. We do not need a bishop or a spiritual authority or a church dictation on how to keep contact with God's presence and daily guidance in our lives. We work to keep ourselves clear on what is guiding our choices, to listen for deeper meaning of the ways to put our energy into our choices, to wait for clearness and not follow the fashion or the crowd or the noisy attractions that demand our time and energy. Practicing the guide of simplicity can help us with thorny choices and help us hear God's leading in the confusing world around our lives. We may not be told which choice among the mobs of choices in front of us, but we may find the deep, honest practice of simplicity to be a safe path to refuge, to truth, to love, to where we can hear God's nudges. Carol has shared what she began knowing in early childhood and a lifetime of Quaker experience. It's deep in her bones and in her DNA. When I found the Quakers in my 40s, I felt I had found my home and quickly dove into the theological base and the experiential writing to make sure. And then after my divorce, I ended up at Pendle Hill. There, I became acquainted with the multiple branches within the Quaker world and I chose a Midwest conservative Quaker to be my mentor. He grew up wearing plain dress. He spoke plain language and decided in his teens to spend one third of his waking life in silence to be open to the movings of spirit. Bill Tabor was a living example of Quaker simplicity and was a truly remarkable spiritual mentor for me. I also met Carol then, that same year at Pendle Hill. Bill Tabor taught about right order, gospel order, where spirit is center front, and I have long been challenged to keep my life simple by keeping right order. Quakers often speak of living simply, of having few possessions, I have not yet simplified my life by shedding the stuff around me. I often fail at these attempts. However, when we were asked to bring this message, I realized that my most pressing and challenging goal right now is actually a part of simplicity. This challenge for me came from the doctors. I had a very serious concussion in 1983 and then another one in 1999. 
Since then, other things have happened, smaller bumps that would have not been otherwise noticed, that had the effect of yet another concussion because they followed after the earlier ones that were so serious. I have learned from the medical world that my ability to function well relies on managing my cognitive fatigue, a brain that is tired. I need adequate rest, but this does not mean lying down to read, listen to a podcast or do Sudoku's Sudokus. <laughs> this is about resting the body. Instead, what I need is resting my brain. That means not thinking. Maybe meditating or sleeping. Anything that is not thinking. Have you tried not thinking? Maybe not thinking for even 20 seconds? As I explored what this meant for me and what I could do without thinking, I eventually realized that I, if I totally focused from my heart, if I really lived in my heart, that my brain would actually be relieved from the task of thinking. I have also discovered that people often don't know what I mean when I talk about thinking with my heart. Maybe you get it already, but I'll approach it from three different angles to clarify and help others know. First, let's start with a view from our Quaker silence. If we each described our own path into the silence, we would quickly see multiple and varied routes. Some routes might involve going into our heart, stilling the activity of our brain, leaving behind our monkey mind, and focusing instead from within the heart. Actually, being totally in the heart is an important next step in what I'm talking about. Second, maybe some here are familiar with the methods of mindfulness used to reduce pain. The methods often start by introducing relaxation and stillness in the body. Using our mind, we can scan our whole body slowly and gently from toes to the head. And when everything is as still as possible on that day or in that moment, then one thing we might do is locate our conscious awareness in one specific place in the body. A person doing this for the purpose of pain control would choose the place that is most free of pain maybe an arm, a foot, or the belly, any place that is truly pain-free. It is possible to locate your whole consciousness in just one place, and then breathe into that one space, really inhabit it, notice the lack of pain, and be totally in it. One can learn to be only there and free of pain and even let that sense of relaxation gently expand into other parts of the body. A person could use this kind of practice and place their whole consciousness in their heart. Third, neuroscience teaches us today that the heart actually has neurons like those found in the brain and that the heart actually thinks. Scientists measuring neural activity 
no distinct differences between the between those in the heart and the brain. They tell us that the heart is faster to recognize and react to things about a room that we just entered, faster than the brain. Also, experiments show that an unconscious patient will recognize the heartbeats of their loved one when that person enters the room. The unconscious person's heart synchronizes with the heartbeats of their loved one. The loved one is recognized and read by the unconscious patient. Their hearts communicate. And I want to add a fourth thing, something that we all know. In our own experience, we speak of knowing something in our hearts. We say, I know in my heart that they understand, or I know in my heart that they do this because whatever. We know that our hearts know. We know this without science telling us. Our hearts think and our hearts know. I know that when I think with my heart, I can come to different awarenesses and make different decisions than if I'm thinking in my brain. My brain is good at remembering the past or planning the future. It's quickly influenced by ego, by feelings of anger, fear, guilt, or grief. By contrast, the heart is really in the present and knows love. It knows connection. It connects us with God, with spirit, with other people our dog, or cat. These connections are sometimes our window into another level of being. Because of concussions and the need to rest my brain, I have come to this practice and this challenge to think with my heart. On days or moments when I can do this, my brain feels different. I don't have cognitive fatigue. I can more easily think up the words I want to say, and I just get more done. On other days, when I'm living out of my brain, I am tired, and then I worry about not getting things done, which creates more cognitive fatigue. In recent months, the need to rest my brain has become my biggest challenge, a challenge that is both physical and spiritual. I practice and practice and still have far to go. When growing up, I practiced piano and later the cello, and I could quit at the end of an hour if I wanted. This practice goes on and on. It has limits, though, that have to be respected. Thinking in the heart will not get the taxes done, and it's also a not, safe, not a safe way to drive. But it is how I want to live, because I can rest my brain, and I get to extend its life and usefulness for my body and the rest of my being. And it centers me on spirit and connects me to the movements of God in my life. It's not simple today, but today it's at the, it's at the core of simplicity for me. Maybe someday with more practice, it will also be more simple to do. This is a lot about what simplicity 
is for me today. And I realize when Clarissa was talking about Hunger Month that this is how I'm working with my inner resources so that they go around and be adequate. That has something to do with how we decide things as a community. Thank you. Uh, we have some put some queries into the chat, uh, and they may help you if you wish to use them. Where has the practice of simplicity helped you in your life? How can you seek simplicity with your children's eyes to learn new ways forward in decisions about daily life, about holidays, about doing common chores? How do you feel when you find you have lost simplicity in your daily life? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.